Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it's Fulhamish Podcast. My name's Sammy James. This is your weekly audio show that's your navigation through the highs and lows of being a Fulham fan. And never have the highs and lows been quite as extreme as this week. Just seven days ago, we were waxing lyrical over our performance at St. James's Park. And that was followed up by just one point from home games against Blackburn and Wolves. We've got plenty to discuss in tonight's podcast. We'll be analysing both of those recent games at Craven Cottage. And we'll also be asking whether those results are a reality check for Fulham in our chase for the playoffs. We'll also be looking at that sequence of results. And I've got a quiz for the boys uh, later on based on Fulhamish results down the years. I must introduce my guests on tonight's podcast. Here is Jack Collins. Hello, listeners favourite line of all time and Farrell Monk is here as well good evening Sammy so Ben failed a late fitness test for this evening's podcast uh, I'm very sad to say frantic calls were made to the likes of Don Betts uh, but I'm afraid he's away on international duty uh, so it is us three tonight but three's a crowd and I'm sure it will suffice for this evening as much as we'll miss Ben's stats and Dom's away day adventures well, there wasn't any away day so we, we might manage match day adventures match day adventures <laughs> yeah. indeed, indeed are you looking forward to my quiz I can't wait but do you know what I can't wait for Jack first what some three word reviews ah. on Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, an unfortunate 3-1 defeat on Saturday I say unfortunate kind of fully deserved really but unfortunate for Fulham's position it was our chance to break into the top six uh, what were the three word reviews saying Jack I liked Adam Farquharson's sub both fullbacks, which was a uh, four words. Sub both fullbacks. Okay. Fullbacks is definitely one word. I'm, I'm, the, I'm giving the that. three word reviews, as we've seen down the time, they've been very economical with uh, <laughs> their wording. Lots of hyphens all over the show. I quite like when someone has four words, but they just don't put a space between two of the words and just hope for the best yeah, that they, it makes three we words. Won't, oh, no, we won't notice. <laughs> I've got an English literature degree. I'm going to notice. <laughs> Continue. Jake Flowers said outthought and outfought, which I liked for my poetic license. Very nice. Say. Very nice. Um, James Preston with a very negative there goes promotion Ooh. Ooh. ruling out quick yeah and Kevin O'Donnell said peaked too soon question mark the one that really made me laugh was Lord Craven's Frankie says relax <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that is the case uh, Jack obviously there was lots of doom and gloom after Saturday's match one point from six uh, was not really what any of us Fulham fans were expecting after that performance at St James's Park but what do you think went wrong on Saturday I just thought we were pretty much outplayed and yeah I think the the fullbacks thing is is something we're gonna obviously come round to but both of our fullbacks had a bit of a nightmare to be honest and you know there's a gamble playing Cess there after two quite you know decent attacking performances from you know in a left wing role and he was caught out heavily in the second half for both of their goals obviously Fred's had quite a good start and then made a mistake and didn't ever really look like he had recovered so it was one of those where, you know, when they have wingers with the quality of Marshall and Costa and, you know, Cavalero dropped out wide at points as well. And, they're, you know, they're out in players to laugh at. And 
Wolves' front four are, you know, a match for most teams. You know, Andy Vyman's a good player. Costa and Cavalera, we know what they can do. And, and you know, Ben Marshall coming in there is, is an excellent bit of business, even if they do wear ridiculous squad numbers. And it was just one of those things where I thought that, you know, we didn't almost show them enough respect in that in that kind of regard because, you know, with our fullbacks pushing on and, and especially with Fredericks and Cessna on, that is an, an attacking, you know, outlets rather than a defensive kind of ritual. And I think we were exploited down both flanks and we were second best. Farrell, it was a chance for Fulham to break into the top six for the first time since September. We haven't been in the top six. We had that storming start, then we had that Drevel September. And we haven't actually been in the playoffs since, which surprised me. I thought that maybe there had been a moment or two in October or November we had broken into the top six, but that's not the case at all. Do you think Fulham buckled under the pressure a little bit of the expectation that suddenly fallen upon their shoulders? Surely there's got to be a small mental edge to that and maybe the players weren't ready to cope with that after they've been chasing a kind of distant dream for so long. I thought you were going to say first time broken into top six since 2001. <laughs> I'm surprised we've been in the top six at all since <laughs> we went down. Um, there was, I would say that there was an element of surprise in the fact that I, I was so confident going into these two games that we our performances have been so consistently good pretty much since September this year that... I was so, you know, everyone was surprised that the performance that we actually gave on Saturday and on Tuesday previously. Um, but in a way, it's kind of those ones where we were due a couple of bad performances. I, I was quite happy in the fact that we did go 10 or so games unbeaten. You know, that's really good. That's really good to actually to see. You know, we had that great run of win, draw, win, draw, win, draw, whenever, however it was, that we were kind of due a bad performance. And obviously, we'll touch on Tuesday later that um, it was supposed to be sort of. And also Saturday, you know, we talk about how um, good teams are the ones that perform really well. But when things don't go their way, they still grind out those those wins or, or, or those points that they didn't necessarily deserve. And it did almost felt like these were the times that, you know, if Fulham are a good team, that these are the results we were going to grind out. And it didn't go that way. I feel like the stark contrast, it's between uh, our winning performances and what we've just recently seen um i would say is the amount we don't win the ball back quickly as much as we used to especially what was quite characteristic of those unbeaten that unbeaten run that we did have was when we weren't getting caught on the counter-attack as much because we were winning the ball back so quickly now teams are effectively countering against us somehow and i don't know if it's other teams figuring out how to play against us or when we're tired and we're not chasing back to win the ball back. Yeah, we are. I think we are tired. And I think especially, you know, we'll come on to Blackburn, but we just looked a little bit out of gas from the 60-minute mark onwards. And, you know, we didn't play well in the first half against Wolves, but we certainly weren't out of it at halftime. You know, it wasn't. It was It was one of those things where at halftime you, you thought, all right, yeah, we're one down, but, you know, we can always score goals. We always have. And... You know, there was, there's only been two times, as I was corrected a couple of weeks back, that we've been shut out of the cottages mm. this you know, year. So, you know, we're always looking to score goals at home and we definitely have that in us. And so at 1-0, you kind of expected, but there was, you know, a strange substitution at half-time that came out coming off. And I, I don't think we ever kind of recovered from that. Even even the goal felt a little bit flat, if if, if I'm honest. It was, it was, yeah, we scored, but, you know, we, we didn't really look 
incisive at any given point. And the fact that Dennis Odoi came on and banged one into the bin again, which was which I was very pleased about, um, it didn't it didn't really do much to resolve resolve the kind of tension in the ground. If if you know what I mean, it was you know normally when you get one back and you're you're two one down, it's it's, it's the kind of get and go and the momentum starts to build and it, it never really felt like that. It didn't seem that way inclined. I do agree with you there because what you know when watching the highlights back afterwards, you do forget that there were a few chances when we were chasing the game. But I I agree that it's it was so easy to forget that we did have those chances because it did feel so flat. I never when- truly believed we were going to get back into it. I was hoping and thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to get proven wrong here and we will get one back and maybe go on even to get another goal after that. But I never... Yeah, it was a strange feeling in Craven Cottage where I just didn't seem to have full faith that we were going to get back into the match. It was just so bizarre. And you said, Jack, about the incisiveness, and that was actually my next point. Are we guilty sometimes of overplaying? It felt very much that way, especially in the first half. It looks like we were trying to score the perfect 25-pass team goal, a bit like we did against Bristol City. My brother pointed this out to me. He was saying, you know, we were talking about the possession stats that Fulham have. And he said, I'd be so interested to find out how much of that possession we have in the bit between the halfway line and their penalty box, where we can, we seem to completely control teams and pen them in for ages without necessarily really going anywhere. Mm. And I think, you know, I think that's been something we've been better at. And I, I made this point a couple of weeks back that we've been better at recently and actually pe- playing the incisive pass and going for it. And, you know, having a shot a bit more than we were at the start of the season. But I think Wolves defended well. Their back four were excellent. And, you know, they were were excellent on the counter. And Lambert set them up in a way that really restricted us. And I think uh, Cody played brilliantly in the Kev McDonald role, which was an interesting one. And I think that we were almost just fundamentally outplayed at the things we're weakest at. And I think that, you know, some teams try and do that to us but aren't, quite good enough but with the talent the Wolves have especially in that final third they were able almost to pick us off at will when they got their breaks and you know when Dave Edwards scored he had he could have stopped the ball had a little lie down and then and then shot the amount of space and time he had in their Fulham box and we talked about this before the game we talked about this before the original Wolves game and you know it was one of those things where he is the ultimate late arriver and especially without McDonald they're tracking that in the second half you know, he had license to roam as much as he wanted. It seemed like a really bizarre substitution from Slav. In fact, you could argue that all three of Slav's substitutions on Saturday were a little bit bizarre. Maybe a doy for Fredericks worked. He did bag a goal and Fredericks looked absolutely knackered. So maybe you could just about justify that one. But Kevin McDonald for Syriac, I think it just proved how central, literally, he is to our system. It was bizarre from Slav, and it was a bold move, but it didn't pay off at all. Yeah, we've been very complimentary to Slav uh, this season about his substitutions. More often than not, they do... I wouldn't say they make sense to to, to us laymans, but um, more often than not that they are good and they have paid off, but there have been the odd occasion where we've had to criticise them. There was the, the Humphreys one a couple of months ago where it was just... Against Brighton. Yeah, that was just out-of-depth stuff. Um, But I didn't didn't think at the time that McDonald was the right substitution because he was kind of the fulcrum and he was the one that was putting the challenges in to stop those counter-attacks. 
Um, and if it was going to be any sort of substitution like that and where it has worked would have been a Scott Parker, but we don't have Scott Parker to come on at the moment. Um, so, you know, you, you just don't take off one guy to bring another one on, but that, that doesn't fit into the system again. But he must have just thought, I'm going to go for it. You know, there was, at the point, maybe he thought that Wolves weren't incisive enough in the, going to be incisive enough in the second half that we're going to need Kevin McDonald. I thought at the time that it was not the worst substitution in the world because Wolves weren't coming through the middle and playing through the middle in the way that we were. But what that completely ignores is the fact that Dave Edwards pops up in the box. And yeah. if, if all Kevin McDonald was doing was stopping Edwards popping up in the box then you have to have him because yeah. it's it's so crucial to the way that Wolves play and the amount yeah. of goals he gets arriving there. And it's just one of those things that you stop that happening and you stop Wolves playing yeah. and then suddenly you feel like you're a little bit in control. Yeah. And I think as soon as we lost that kind of fulcrum in the middle, we sort of stopped playing our own game and stopped playing that kind of possession passing game and started trying to overplay things. You know, we started trying to play all these like long wide balls out and especially in the second half. And I remember thinking, why is everything, why have we kept penning them in their own corner flags almost? It was like, almost like kicking for touch when we were trying to spray balls wide rather than working it and working it and working it in the way that we sometimes do. And it, it, it all seemed a very bit, a very bit strange. And it was difficult penning them in, in the corners when we had fullbacks that didn't really have their best game. Seven days on from Ryan Sessegnon's incredible performance up at St. James's Park. One of those that will live long in the memory. Uh, he was very guilty uh, for Wolves' second goal. Ryan was obviously caught out for the first goal. I mean, can there be any other source of blame for those first opening goals? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's kind of... To actually blame one particular player would be fairly harsh because defensively I didn't think it was a good performance all round. And that doesn't just come from the back four. I mean, you know, we didn't, as I mentioned before, like winning the ball back quickly just didn't happen. That comes from the strikers, not just the defence as well. It's got to come through, you know, six other players before it gets to our back four. Um, but maybe that's also because the fullbacks are tired. They were also playing against a hell of a winger in Costa, Costa. who seems way above Wolves's station they paid an awful lot of money for him i don't understand um wolves's situation at the moment. they're owned by very very wealthy chinese owners as far as i understand they've also got this strange tv deal in china did you know this where there's a chinese channel that seems to have exclusive rights to broadcast wolves matches and paid a lot of money for it, it all seems a little bit fishy to me that's bizarre yeah like really bizarre and I'm assuming it's the connections uh, with his owner. But anyway, back to Costa. I mean, if you let him go one-on-one -on -one against your fullbacks, he will terrorise them nine times out of ten. Mm. It's, when you think that we have pacey fullbacks like we we do, you would think that they're more than match them. But it, it just shows that you don't have to be the paciest winger in the world to actually get round it. We loved watching Damien Duff tear down the wing and terrorise defences week in, week out. He certainly wasn't the quickest, especially into his mid-30s. So it shows. But, you know, Costa is quick. He's not yeah. lightning, no. but he's just unbelievably skillful and he just doesn't seem to lose the ball. And when he get, when he got the ball, every time he got the ball wide, I was like, something's going to happen here. And that's the kind of, you know, dynamism that I think we said at the very start about Ayite 
every time Aite got the ball, we were like, oh, something's going to happen here. And, you know, the the current thing is that Tottenham and Arsenal are in a two-way race for Helder Costa. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of sums it up, really. He he was, he was he had like a bit of an off-pit patch while Cavalera's been out of the side. And as soon as Cavalero came back in, it was like, oh, suddenly the two of them are clicking and firing again. And it just, it went really, really well. He's, it just seems like a really strange one because he started off on loan and he did really well. And then they were like, all right, we'll buy you. And I can't believe that Benfica have let him go, to be honest. You know, they've just gone, all right, go on then. You know, if you, if you want to go to Wolves, then do. And, you know, I don't see... You know, Benfica are a good side, don't get me wrong, but I, I can't see them having a better player than Costa, who's, you know, if, if they're really being linked to Arsenal and Tottenham, why have Benfica gone, all right, yeah, fine, go on then? They must have just thought, it just they've seen him in training and he just doesn't fit into their system. Yeah, maybe. We, you always see sometimes players, they kind of stagnate at clubs and then they move on to another club and they just suddenly flourish. And then you think, why did they let that guy go? But yeah. it just they just don't fit into... That particular system. I mean, look at look at uh, Ross McCormack, for example. Like he obviously doesn't fit in anyone's system. Yeah, but he obviously fit in at Fulham, and then he's gone elsewhere, and now everyone's gone. Oh, I can't believe Villa played that much money for him. He's never played. The other thing is, he's never played a league game for Benfica. Yeah, so it's not like they've tried him and gone. Oh, he hasn't worked. They just stuck. He's still young. He's twenty three. Like you know, they've stuck him out on loan to try and give him minutes and things, and and then suddenly it's like oh. But maybe Wolves just offered for what they saw silly money, and they just thirteen million yeah. pounds. Yeah. And they just, must have and rate, just they someone must have that's rated ne- him if there is going to cost thirteen million pounds. But they might have thought this is someone that's never played. He's cutting it at Championship level, and this second division English club's offering us big money. Let's maybe just sell him clearly while his stock's high, and we think that maybe his stock won't get any higher. But as you see, he's he's clearly a, a talent, and I felt like we witnessed almost a perfect away display from Wolves and we saw what they did up at Anfield in the fourth round of the FA Cup it felt fairly similar you know Liverpool had a lot of possession but Wolves got those early goals and Andreas Weiman uh, was one of those that scored Richard Stearman I think scored the early one at the cop end he Full was legend. ineligible to play on Saturday but it, the, as you say the, the game never felt in grasp and in fact to me it felt like a performance a la last season mm. would you say that's because Fulham played badly or Wolves played really, really well, or is it both? both. Yeah. I think it was both. I think Fulham certainly, even if we'd have played the worst team in the league, I think we'd have struggled because didn't, we didn't look on form, we didn't look confident, and I think we maybe looked a little bit shell-shocked after what we saw against Blackburn on Tuesday. And, I, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I think even at the subconscious level, I think the expectation mm. will have been on the players on Saturday because it was such a big win against Newcastle. Everyone in the league, even when everyone in the country took notice, suddenly Fulham were the talk of the town. We were favourites to win the playoffs when we weren't in the playoffs. It all just kind of went a bit mental. I mean, we went crazy on the podcast as well. Don't get us wrong. We weren't sitting back and I was giving out playoff dates left, right and centre like they were going out of fashion. <laughs> that was so, it. That was it. That we, was are the still one, we are still one point yeah. off the playoffs. I don't think it's... You know, I think it's important to remember that. You know, that there's there's a difference. We're not there's we're no by no means out of this. No, it's just, you know, it's hard to take when you know if you look at those fixtures to begin with, you'd go, we should be five points clear of Wednesday, and you know, with Rotherham to play and them having another hard game at the weekend, and you know, all of these kind of 
big things which could have put us out of sight. So we didn't have to go and do this final day. It's, it's going to happen, isn't it? It's going to come down to final day nonsense at Hillsborough. And we're going to lose one. We're going to lose. We're going to draw one all and loot, miss a penalty in the 90th minute. Like it's, it's just Sessignon destiny. will take it. Like it's just <laughs> absolutely like we should be. We should have. If we'd pushed our you know way through this week and and managed to grind out the results like we said earlier mm. and done those bits that make change you from a challenging team into a top team, then yeah we'd be five points clear Wednesday and pro- I think in fifth, uh, I think in fifth yeah I think we'd be ahead of yeah. So it's one of those where you look at it and you go oh, but at the same time would you? Have, <laughs> I mean yes I was going to say would you have it any other way? Of course you would. But <laughs> um, uh, it is it's Fulham isn't it? This is what yeah. we do. I mean, but that's the you know that's the thing we never thought before the, the sequence of five games, that we'd be at one point within the playoffs. We never thought this. Yeah, no, thought- there's still a lot to be excited about. I guess it is just a touch of realism to the situation because mm. I think maybe some fans are getting a bit carried away that this is actually going to be a walk in the park and there was talk of fourth and fifth and... Really, I think if we're going to make this, this is going to be a, a sixth jobby on the final day. As Jack said, elsewhere, uh, results didn't exactly go fully our way either. Leeds got a big win against Brighton at Ellen Rose. Impressive performance by yeah, Leeds on Saturday tea time. Uh, Reading won away at Hillsborough. So that was one of those games where I think all Fulham, we all said obviously the draw is the perfect result, but either way, there's, there's pros hope. and cons. People can win at Hillsborough. That's good. Well, good news. Teams have been winning at Hillsborough. Obviously, Burst now having got a draw. Reading have won there. Brentford went up there and Norwich, I don't, I Norwich don't got get... spanked five one. Yeah, apart from Norwich, let's ignore Norwich. <laughs> uh, and and speaking of them, though, let's not ignore Norwich. Yeah. Uh, they secured a first win uh, without Alex Neil, and they're creeping up a bit close well, for comfort. Are they? Are they above Preston? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought they were. They're, well, oh. goal difference. Okay, but they're, but they're still now four unbeaten. They're now unbeaten in four. We always know. We know they've got a good squad. I mean. Yeah. So they've decided to change manager because they think they can do better. And if they do do better, I mean, they're four points isn't a million miles away. No, how and we have points, to play them. How many points were we behind five points uh, five games ago? Yeah, it's true. Um, when we have to play them at at Carrow Road, that's not going to be a nice fixture either. And no. they'll be looking at it. But you know, the, it's on yeah, Good that, Friday, isn't it? It's one. Yeah, that's one of the ones that Sheffield Wednesday must be looking down and going, "Oh, them two have to play each other. That's good. That's good for us." Someone uh, sent us a link the other day of. A picture saying Sheffield and Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday and Fulham in the battle for the playoffs, with a caption, uh, with a picture of two men punching themselves in the face. <laughs> and I was like, "Good, yeah, excellent." Uh, just before we move on to the Blackburn game, Jack, you were telling me before this podcast some fairly revealing stats about Dave Edwards's scoring record against Fulham. This is not a attacking centre forward. No, but Dave Edwards, after Saturday's display, has five goals in nine appearances against Fulham from that's... centre midfield, which is absolutely <laughs> just what? As in, that's a fifty-five percent scoring rate. This isn't like three have come in one game or anything. No, well, he scored two in one game a while back in an <laughs> FA Cup game, but still, like, he's just got an obscenely consistent scoring record. He got two and two this season. He didn't score in one game against us last season, didn't play any other. He got two in four in 2014-15, and he got one in 2009-10. So this isn't a new thing either. <laughs> Dave Edwards <laughs> has literally been scoring he against us, his game for days. For us. Absolutely for days. loves it. Um, so yeah, that's we, just, what? We mentioned this last week about uh, just average players consistently scoring against us. I mean, Carlton Cole. Yeah, Carlton Cole. Dan- God, you- Danny Graham did. Danny Graham. Oh, I swear this- he scored probably the same amount as prolific Dave Edwards. 
probably. I, I was ready for him to go get a winner on uh, on Tuesday against us. Before we move on to that Blackburn game, if you've got any great stats uh, just like Jack or any burning questions you'd like to ask on the podcast, obviously we get your questions on every week. But next week uh, we're doing a special episode of Fuller Mission. We really would like you to get involved. So if you're a big listener to the show, next week we're doing the Fulhamish phone-in. Very, very excited about this. So the idea is fairly simple. We're going to run it a bit like you might hear 606 on 5 Live or you might hear, I mean, I don't want to say it, a bit like Cool Collymore on Talk Sports. Don't say that. I'm just giving examples, but we haven't got a Stan Collymore in the studio. We do have a Jack Collins, however. Do not compare me to Stan Collymore. (laughs) Strangely, uh, Stan Collymore has blocked me and I've never even tweeted about him in my life so I think I he not... blocks a lot of people actually. Does he? Has he, he probably you? No, he hasn't blocked me. I've never tweeted him to be fair. He'll probably I would block tweet him to say let's block everyone on the he, podcast. He'll probably blog me now because I've mentioned his name on a podcast. Anyway, we're getting away from the point. If you'd like to be involved in the Fulhamish phone-in next week, uh, there's going to be a little form online now, fulhamish.co.uk. We're not asking for much. Just fill in your name, uh, email address and phone number and maybe an idea of something you'd like to discuss. And then we're going to try and call up as many of our listeners as we can next week. Three or four minutes on the phone each. Come on and... We'll just have a little bit of a discussion. It's a bit of an experiment. Obviously, it's an international week, so we won't have any direct games to discuss. So a little bit of an experiment. Go fill in the form now, fullamish.co.uk, and you could be on next week's episode. How exciting. If it all works technically. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. So let's move on to the Blackburn game. Uh, We've got more three-word reviews as always. In fact, actually, I think for the Blackburn game, I was in such a bad mood after the game, I decided to free everyone from the word count i just went no word count tonight but we still like your reviews so jack what were the unlimited word reviews my favorite one actually was was ben jarman's um i know this is sort of a slug but he actually stuck to three words as well and he just said jekyll and hyde which i thought was was fantastic very very true will at all star aite said we've got our fulham back um, (laughs) i loved that one actually yeah yeah that was a good one you know Jacob Jackson said, gutted, but still a point. Albeit two dropped ones tonight, they were picked up at Newcastle, push on to Saturday. Well, that went wrong, Jacob. Um, (laughs) That's a bit harsh. He did not know. Adam at Fatal Frederick said, didn't deserve to win. Kearney has a bad attitude and Slav had the wrong tactics. Kearney does have a bad attitude. This is something we've definitely discussed before. Um... Charlie Grant, not all bad. Some beautiful football in the first half from Aluko and great for Syriac to get a goal. Bring on Slat and the top six. Again, <sighs> their lack of crystal ball. Harry Hyatt, I'll finish this with. Some things never change. And it is very, very true. In fact, uh, before the game, uh, we saw a tweet from our friend MJG over at Cottage Talk, our transatlantic uh, friends over the pond. And uh, he tweeted that... If Fulham win on Tuesday, it will be the end of the term Fulhamish. Now, I think MJG knows what he's writing there. I think he, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he's been a bit sly there. I nice little dig from Quite Talk. But if there was one silver lining from Tuesday, it's that our little podcast fights for another day. Yeah, we and our term, and our term is still highly, highly relevant. Uh, it was a game really where Fulham never seemed to turn up, in my opinion. We we very nearly won it uh, through a late Syriac goal. Uh, but Zhao Yudin popped oh. up late in the 94th minute 
Uh, that was to... awful. That was pure cabbage. <laughs> I, I actually was stunned. <laughs> stunned into silence for the first time in a while. Stumped up in the 94th minute to grab a point for Blackburn. A huge point for them in their battle to stay in the championship. It really was a case of after the Lord Mayor's show on Tuesday night, albeit we went in front at a very, very good time. It looks like it was a bit of a shaky first half, weren't too many chances either way. Did you guys think that once we'd scored in the 45th minute through a Luco, that would be brilliant? We've we've cracked this game and we'll go on to a strong second half. No, not really. Uh, <laughs> no, if I'm honest, I, I actually didn't see the goal because I was in the bar. But I oh, Don Betts is here. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. I, was, I, I thought if Don wasn't here for this podcast, someone had to be in the bar and miss a goal. <laughs> so I was watching it on the screens. I didn't think we were that good in the first half against Blackburn. We did start okay, and then it sort of got to the, one of those games where I thought we looked. I thought we looked tired from the beginning. Um, in contrast to the Wolves game, where I thought we only looked tired second half. I think we looked tired from the beginning against Blackburn, and there was always. There was room for Akpan in the middle to sort of assert himself on the game. And I thought Emnes did well from the start, although obviously he took a new lease of life when Jao came on. I can't believe that a Sheffield Wednesday player on loan has gone and bloody scored his 94th minute equaliser. Like, it's just... But we, we've <sighs> sent out a couple of agents and yeah, Sheffield but... Wednesday have sent out an agent or two. Yeah, Corley and uh, Lasser have done their little bits yeah. uh, to help us in our fight. Second half, uh, Slav did make a couple of substitutions despite the goal. Uh, brought on Chris Martin and also Syriac. Uh, Chris Martin never really got going, although the referee made a pretty big error not letting play continue when Chris Martin was seemingly through on goal. It was uh, a terrible call. Yeah, I'm a Martin advocate, but I'm think I'm in the majority when I say that I think he probably would have scored. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I really do. You know, we've had, there's there's a lot of doubts about Chris Martin. There's a lot of people that question a lot of things, but very few people question his finishing ability one-on-one. He does stick the ball in the back of the net, and I think that's a massive, massive moment mm. in the game. But, you know, those things happen. Like, that's, that's kind of it, and we need to, we should have taken that and and kicked on and we really sort of the, the delivery for the following free kick the free kick that followed it was was a poor from Steph oh, I, it went over everyone I think and just went out this is something I've been meaning to bring up for weeks but for all of our amazing play and how much dom- dominance that we do have over teams and the amount of set pieces that we get because of our dominance our set piece ability has been so woeful this year unless we can shoot yeah, so I think the exactly. only time that we look decent from a set piece is if it's a distance for Kenny or, or Steph yeah. to hit it. Absolutely. Our delivery from corners, from uh, free kicks like in to get the ball in the box, terrible. I've got like, no excitement over a dead ball no. anymore. I get a corner and I go, cool, that's the chance gone. That's or, a penalty. Or a free kick. Or a penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are saying, um, don't don't be a penalty, please be a corner. Well, don't be a corner either because yeah. we ain't scoring any of them. The I only just... time I don't mind it being a corner is if we go short and everyone seems to dislike the short corner. I'm a massive fan yeah. because I can't remember the last time we beat the first match. Actually, that's a lie. On the weekend, Cess didn't beat the man the first two times and then the third corner he hit it went so wildly over the top that it actually went out on the other side without bouncing I, I do find it unbelievable that we've we've got our place settled and our, our identity if we've spoken about for months and months now that 
I, there's only so much passing practice they must do in training. Bloody hell, do some set-piece practice, for God's sake. I mean... Maybe it's because we're so poor at defending them that we look really good at them in training. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but there seems to be some just bizarre decisions. Like, we hit out swinging free kicks from angles. I'm thinking, that's going to be like the that's going to be like a Brian McBride-esque header to try and get it in from there. Let's in-swing a couple of balls and put it into a corridor of uncertainty. Maybe I'm going back to... Cliché central. Maybe I'm going back to the Mike Bassett School of Management, but... Come on, let's have a go, lads. I just think that it's because all of our best set piece takers, well, best set is very uh, a loose term, but everyone who you trust to swing a ball in is left pegged, um, which is a rare issue for a football team. <laughs> I, but I don't know if I mentioned players it. Have left, have, are left footed. I don't know if I mentioned it at the time, but when we were going through our bad patch in September, October time, the guys behind me very loudly was t- talking to his mate and said the problem with our team is that we had too many left footers in our team. I don't think that's a problem, but I do think it's a reason for this set-piece outswinging thing that you're going on about. Because all of them come from the left, and they're all either Kearney or Johansson. Well, or Sess. I don't know. Or Sess. Or Sess, sorry, yeah, or Sess. Thank S- God Malone hasn't taken one yet, that's all I can say. <laughs> Stick someone on it, have a go with the other side Cabano of the Cabano did take one at the weekend, and He's... he did get it on target, but it was literally straight down the oh, keeper's yeah, gullet. I just find, like, I mean, it's... We obviously don't, it, it screams out to me we don't have a specialist set-piece taker in the team at the moment. Um, but something, I, you know, someone that watches the team week in, week out, but I'm not on the training pitch every day, that it's an obvious thing that we need to improve on. Well, this ha- is why I was saying we should have bought Conor Hurahan in the January transfer window, but no one wanted to listen to that. I listen to it, but I'm not important at the club enough. Yeah, well, well, Slavisa, if you're still listening to this podcast... <laughs> or Tony. Or Tony, or Tony yeah. big fan. Well done, Tony. I, I would like to point out that I don't think the Blackburn game was as bad as it as it was, um, Look, thinking back on it um, with now a calmer mind on it. We did dominate the game for long periods of it, and we did fashion quite a few chances, yeah. but the game just completely turned on its head when Lucas Shaw came on. Absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head that Emnez was looking good before he came on, but suddenly turned into a, a world, world beater. beater. Um, Why is he sitting on their bench? This is a team facing relegation and yeah. they've got well, a player in fairness, like that. I think he came off the bench and scored two against Norwich. They wanted to start Danny Graham because of his unbelievable scoring record <laughs> against Fulham. And then he actually, I think, Jarrah started at the weekend. So Yeah, he did. Sad. And I saw a video of him creating some outrageous skill, um, beating like three or four men. He's a very, very good player. We we pointed this out uh, yeah. last week when we were saying about him scoring against Arsenal in the in the FA Cup. He's a good player and he, he knows where the net is and he also, he's a bit of a handful. He's quite skillful, but he's also quite quick and quite strong. And he's just a bit of like an all-round player that does the right bits in the championship. He single-handedly fashioned, like bullied our back, like our central back three of McDonald's. Uh, Callas and um, do you know who it reminded me of a bit like when we went to we were together the Bristol City Cup game Mm. and they brought on Tammy Abraham with 15 minutes left and you saw him come on and you thought and he had just a couple of touches of the ball and you thought "Mm, this isn't ideal yeah precisely and he pretty much like just put himself about unsettled us and maybe exploited the fact that we were tired to be able just to get around in that middle 20-yard area just outside the box. The... We've missed Scott Parker a bit. Yeah. yeah, and I would have said that Scott Parker, not just on Saturday, but also on Tuesday against Blackburn, he would have been the, the best person to bring on 
with 10 minutes to go. That experienced head. That actually is what Jukanovic said, in fairness. Oh, did he, he say did that? did say, we really miss Scott Parker tonight, and I would have really liked to have him to bring on the last 10 minutes, but it wasn't available. He clearly doesn't trust Thanos. Well, he was off the bench again, Petsos, on, on the weekend. So, you know, he started, he was on the bench on Tuesday night. Yeah. And then he was off the bench for Saturday. Yeah. So, Luca Delatore de made yeah. his... Uh, also, just going on that point for one second, with five minutes to go and needing a goal, chuck Delatore on. Like, uh, just, you know, give him a go. Why not? Talking about on Saturday or Tuesday? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. As in, you know, instead he brought off Sessegnon from Malone. And, you know, we had this discussion on at the time about, on Twitter about... People saying, oh, Sess isn't a defender. Yeah, I, I know. Like, I'm, I'm aware that Sess isn't a defender. But, you know, is there any difference between losing 3-1 and 4-1 at that point? I think, you know, you go for it. If, yeah. you, if you really want to, you know, make these points up and, and push top six, we've got, we've got to make those decisions. And bringing Malone on was one of the strangest substitutions I've ever seen. Hmm, indeed. Anyway, back to the Blackburn game. The penalty, very rash by Callas. Not the first time this season, though, we've seen him sliding like that slightly unnecessary he has got that side to his game and I guess sometimes he nails those slide tackles but he didn't get that one right and it felt like he didn't really need to do it well I think at the time if if I was the defender I probably would have slid in to block the shot but I just think it was really clever play from Emnez because he just took that extra half a second to do kind of like a little dummy um, before he took the shot to try and draw the foul and the penalty I thought so. I, I also don't think Callas is that far off the ball. He's um, not, no. He's, he's you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit rash. but And it is a penalty, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. I just don't think he's too far away from making an absolutely unbelievable tackle. And I think at that point, with him bearing down on goal, you have to do something to attempt to block it. Mm. And I, I don't have, I, you know, I think Callas has that in him in terms of the rash tackles and the things that he does sometimes which are a bit silly. But... I wouldn't say that was necessarily one of them. I'm I'm going to challenge you on that. I mean, no worries. But yeah, he, he's he's quite similar. We've talked touched on it in the past how similar he is to Hanglin. Hanglin was a guy that's blood and thunder. I'm going to slide in for everything, and you know more often than not would win it. But he Hanglin also gave away his fair share of penalties. Yeah, he precisely. did. You're right. And then Fulham second, which looked to be a slightly undeserved winner and one of those potentially big results that, as you say, sides get three points when they're not playing well. All came about from Fredericks finally making a run to the byline, especially for us in H2 who kind of have to watch Fredericks' channel in that second half for the entire 45 minutes. Um getting so frustrated and making sideways pass after sideways pass, he finally made a run to the byline, pulled in a brilliant cross back. He just made the ball. It was fantastic pace. And then Syriac, yeah. that is a finish. It's a hell of a finish. Yeah. It's a big, big finish. The run that Syriac makes, I mean, it's way before Fredericks even thinks about making the cross. <laughs> Syriac is automatically going for that space. And that run like that, if you watch Jamie Vardy week in, week out, that's all when he's doing that... That's that is like trained in you as like a top striker to run into that gap before the cross is made to anticipate it going into the right area and finish it off. And Syriac did exactly the right thing. I thought he was excellent when he came on. I really did. And you know there was a bit of a you, you questioned it the other day about the Leeds game saying he wasn't that effective when he came on on that note. I thought Syriac did an absolute job on Tuesday night, and he came on and suddenly we looked 
double the team we were. And I was shocked that he didn't start on Saturday. Absolutely shocked. Because I thought he looked hungry for it. He looked like he wanted it. And I thought that the most trouble we were going to cause, especially if we were going for that kind of no... Even if we were going for the Cabano over-the-top option, that's fine. But Syriac's literally a faster, stronger version of Cabano. He's not as skillful, don't get me wrong. But, you know, he, he obviously showed us on Tuesday night that he can finish. And he looked, he was so happy. I don't know if anyone saw his celebration, but by God, that man loved that goal. And he... I think we all did, to be yeah, fair. I mean, don't get me wrong, so did I. But um, it was, you know, he was. He really looks like he was up for it. And it was It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, come on then, let's... Yeah. He's he's off the mark. It was, And he was devastated, you know, he posted quite a lot after it, devastated that the goal hasn't meant all that, but we keep fighting, you know, mm. it's one of those things. I, was, I, I, didn't I was personally it. surprised Aite started because he'd been out for a little while. And to throw him back into the uh, starting poor on Saturday, Aite. Yeah, he had flashes of 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 little brilliance here and there, but overall, not you know particularly. I wouldn't say a performance to write home about, but I thought Syriac was going to start considering that Aite was just come back from injury. Yeah. I thought if you'd been commentating on the match foul, you might have said, "There's a chilly heat wave on the Thames." Ah, <laughs> oh, good, good, very <laughs> I like good. It. I like it. He had to have listened to a podcast a few weeks back to get that reference. Yeah. That's one for the that's one for the regulars. Yeah, that's one for our loyal fans. Shout yeah. out George Oster. Yeah, not the Wolves official account who don't get the uh, the Dorito reference. They didn't like that in fairness very much at all. Uh, if you haven't seen our Twitter, we had some beef with at Wolves, actual official Wolves uh, on Saturday, and t- in fairness, they absolutely rinsed us. Yeah, yeah, yeah really, yeah. really quite badly. Absolutely, we we. Um, We've been torn a new one in our social media game, so we're gonna we're gonna have to up things if we're gonna start having a beef with official club Twitter accounts. Farrell couldn't. Farrell started a war he couldn't finish. Yeah, he definitely, <laughs> definitely did. I did not intend to start a war. <laughs> to be honest, that's what happens when we let Farrell loose on the social media. And finally, the equaliser against Blackburn. Um, here's some of the directions of blame I've seen online. I thought I would um, read them out for you. How, how long we got? <laughs> I mean, we've got about 17 minutes till we hit the hour, so let's oh, we'll let's, let's do them now. We might have to cut a few. First of all, David Button not trying to find the corner with his goal kick, as if it was some sort of rugby pass into the corner, which I'm not I'm not knocking it. I don't know if you saw if anyone saw Luke McGrath's kick for Ireland in, in the 78th minute against England. Oh, I didn't see it. it wasn't watching. Then, uh, edit that one. Out <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we can see the importance of how good a good kick to the corner can be. Different yeah, right, sport. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, thanks for that one, Jack. Sorry, I don't think that's unfair. I think it's an unfair criticism of DB. Um, quite a half-hearted attempt from Fredericks to stop the cross, even though we've discussed really that Fredericks was. Shattered, absolutely shattered. We did have six defenders on the pitch at this point. What was Dennis doing? Dennis was. We had two right backs on, and neither of them closed the man down. There was a, just before um, he actually set up the goal. There was a good ten-minute period where Fredericks had his hands on his knees, trying to regain his breath because he was that tired, and that was probably summoning up the energy to take on their fullback and cross it in, and then ran out of steam again. I hope that Ryan Fredericks in this two-week gap is doing nothing but sitting on a sofa, inducing pasta get and carbohydrates into his into Someone his get him to the beach. Just get him to the beach. Like, just put him on a sun lounger. <laughs> <laughs> Work on your tanning game, mate. Just, mate just, and just eat protein bars for two just weeks. Just have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> um, third of all... Uh, 
Tim Ream for losing Zhao in the box. This is my blame. This is um, this is fully the one that I've gone with. Okay. I just can't. How he, he he has no idea. Look back at the replay. He's looking around him like a madman, and by the time he knows where Zhao is, he's past him. And I, you know, there is there is some other valid points here, but you're in the ninety fourth minute of a game. You cannot lose their centre forward on the edge of your own box. And the final one. And now I actually disagree, and I think this is slightly more. Uh, responsible David Button not claiming a cross that landed in his own six-yard box. Uh, now, I think the way he's rooted to his line there is fairly criminal, and I know I'm not the only one that thinks this. I would say that it was criminal it got that far. I think what you can actually see when you have watched it back like three billion times and not, you know, cried too much, that... When the when, tears aren't in the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, was that he starts to go forward and then he sees that... Um, Callas is going for it and he completely misses it so then but before he thinks Callas is going to get that and he's in no man's land is to come back onto his line which is probably slightly the right thing to do but everyone misjudged it and therefore it landed in the box but I can see all of those things there are valid points but it kind of goes back to the whole Scott Parker debate that there was a very la- uh, huge lack of experience there and I I mean, it wasn't just that last-minute winner, but the good five, ten minutes beforehand, uh, beforehand, mm-hmm. after we got that equaliser, how languid and passenger Tom Kearney was. Yep. And it was like having one less player on the pitch. Um, and it wasn't just misplaced passes, because there were a very uncharacteristic couple of misplaced passes from Tom Kearney. But his defending was, he was just completely lost. Oh, shock. Completely <laughs> lost. Jack Collins is t- his favourite man in a crisis. <laughs> just, uh, I love Tom Kenny. I love him. I think he's got, I think he's a wonderful footballer. But I just, he just doesn't seem to ever put it in when we're defending. Yeah. yeah, he's a great man to have on the pitch when we're chasing a 1-0 you know, victory, as we've seen. But he just doesn't. He like he almost just gives up when it's yeah. like us trying to lead a uh, defender lead, and I don't know if that's him being absolutely knackered, or just not feeling it's his responsibility. But he was bear in mind he was playing in centre midfield at this point, yeah, because K Mac had come off, yeah. So oh, Johansson had come off. I, but if you, but, but should we be relying on Tom Kearney? For, if you're no, in but everyone's midfield, got to play their part. If you're in centre Everyone midfield, track your man. Yeah. The the ball, the one that really got me was the ball to start with. That the defender it comes over the top, and the man has time to chest it down, take a touch, look around, and pass it wide with no one around him. Do you know? Do you know why? It's, but the the reason why is I mean it is because of Tom Kearney. Tom yeah. Kearney should have been there. So I mean Frederick was it Fredericks was overloaded on that side, so we couldn't go and try and win the ball because it's going to fall to their other player. He also couldn't move. Yeah, also. <laughs> but Tom Kearney should have been there to hundred yeah, percent to like not give that guy an option so he can try and take it round Fredericks. Yeah. And with this two week break then, um that's coming up now, we've got a game in a couple of weeks up at the New York Stadium against Rotherham. Is that still the name of the stadium? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if it had a sponsor name now. I guess it's a massive chance for Fulham to recuperate after a lot of games in it and I know a lot of championship clubs, but we also had the cup run in there and a very tough game. Uh, at the end of that cup run against yep. Spurs. Hopefully it's a chance to recharge the batteries and that may be just enough to get Fulham in a mindset. I was actually thinking, can you remember earlier in the season we said how that international break at the end of August, after the Blackburn game, came at a terrible time for us and we spent a couple of podcasts mm. discussing it. On the flip side, this is a very good time for one to come for Fulham. And the actual, there was another international break 
and there was there was the bit between the two international breaks where we absolutely fell apart. Yeah. And it was but after the second international break was the time where we beat Reading and Huddersfield five nil in about three weeks. So, you know, that we have we do have we have form both ways here. So this can go one of two ways, can't it? You know, it's this is scientific proof that we're gonna bounce back in two weeks' time. Well no, but also we've we've got mugged off after an international break as well. So Yeah, but I mean like <laughs> it's our form goes the other way around. Yeah, exactly. It? it should flip. So yeah, exactly. Farrell's right, it should flip over. And, and hopefully, hopefully it's not the same for Rotherham then. They haven't had any form ever. No. Yeah, no, nothing's been flipping <laughs> fact, for I think we can re- I think we can relegate them. Can we? I think so. Which never makes it easy. No, but I, I don't mind. I think that I think they're down. I think they know they're down. So they have sh- to, to. Oh, I saw this the other day. For Rotherham to stay up now, they have to win every single game five nil, <laughs> and Burton Albion have to lose every game. Goodness me! So, boys, yes. a lot has been said about the last week that it's been a very Fulhamish run of results, and there's debate about whether people like the word Fulhamish. But I think this week has proved that the word Fulhamish exists, and it's a thing, and you can't win away from home against Newcastle United and get one point from relegation strugglers Blackburn and Wolves without thinking there is some sort of phenomena. That's yeah. my opinion on the matter. You may disagree. Yep. But as a result, I've created a little quiz on the Fulhamish theme. So what I have here are five famous Fulham results. Uh, all after the year 2000. Okay. Your aim of the game is to tell me whether the result after them was a win, a draw, or a defeat. So there's five points on offer there, and then there's five bonus points if you get it right, if you tell me what the team was and the score. So you can get a maximum of ten. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, a maximum of five, I think, is a fair shout. So there's the five points if you just tell me whether Fulham won drew or lost after yeah. that if you get it right you can then go on to get a one bonus point if you get both the team and the score correct perfect right. okay we've got this yeah so some are quite old some are quite recent write down your answers don't say them out loud so that gives you a chance to play as well at home so make a little record on your phone or in your head and see what score you can get out of 10 so if you get it right you then get to get the bonus point to see if you get the score and the team that we either won, drew or lost against. So first of all, boys, Fulham's famous 3-1 victory up at Old Trafford to beat Manchester United in 2003. We won 3-1 on the day. I seem to remember Lee Clark in a moto and was it Mal Bronk scoring, Mal Bronk. In, in a scoring the goals? Two. No, just one. Oh. Did Fulham win, <laughs> lose or draw after that famous result? Boys, you written down your answers? Yeah, I guess. I okay. guessed. Next of all, when Fulham beat Chelsea 1-0 back in 2006, Louis Boamorte with a big goal. The only time we've beaten Chelsea uh, since we got promoted to the Premier League. But what was the result afterwards? Was it a win, draw or a loss? And then for the bonus points, what was the game and what was the score? Next of all, number three. A famous night in Europe in the semi-finals of the Europa League, Fulham beat Hamburg by two goals to one back in 2010. But what was the result in the next Fulham game? Was it a win, a draw or a loss? And who was the team? Back in 2010, a famous night at the cottage, a tidal wave on the Thames, but what came after the tidal wave? Okay, number four. This is from last season. We went away to Loftus Road and beat Queen's Park Rangers by three goals to one. A brilliant afternoon for all that were in attendance. But what was the result next on a fateful season for Fulham? Was it a win, a draw or a loss? And who was the team? Okay. Finally, 
another famous night in Europe. Fulham beat Bologna by three goals to two in 2002. This is easily the toughest of the lot. Was it a win, a draw and a loss? And if you can get the team and the result for this one, I will be seriously, seriously impressed. More impressed than I think I'll have ever been by your Fulham abilities. Not the next result in Europe. No, just the the next result. Next result. So, hope you've got those answers down. I'm going to reveal the correct ones now. So, started off with Fulham's 3-1 victory up at Old Trafford back in 2003. Jack, what have you gone for? A win, a draw or a loss? A win. Gone for a win. Farrell? Lost. It was a loss. One point to Farrell. What was the game and what was the score, Farrell? I actually think I remember this. Okay. I think it was Liverpool. It was. And it was a narrow loss, but I can't. I can't remember if it was like 2-1 or 1-0 or... Go for one. 2-1? Bang on. Two points to Farrell. Danny Murphy scored a penalty in injury time, I seem to believe. Really? At Loftus Road to give Liverpool a 2-1 victory. So two points to Farrell, none to Jack. It's a bad start for the Collins over there. It's gonna be a bad. It's gonna be a bad round for the Collins, I think. I think okay. Morte scored for us, did he? Uh, I can't remember. You may right. be correct. Now you're showing off. <laughs> I, I just guessed. I mean, <laughs> name a Fulham goal scorer. Farrell loves quizzes, so um, <laughs> the odds are in his favour. Right. Next up was the one 0 victory over Chelsea in 2006. Was it a win, a draw, or a loss after that? Farrell. Uh, draw. Okay, Jack. Draw. You're both correct. Hey. One point each. Jack, have you got any idea who we played next and Birmingham, what scores? one all. Okay. And Farrell? Ooh, Bolton, nil-nil. Both of you are kind of close. It was Aston Villa, oh. so it was in the same neck of the oh. woods, and it was nil-nil. Oh. But none of you are correct. So one point each, so it's still 3-1 to Farrell. Keep counting up your scores at home. Next up was the famous night in the Europa League against Hamburg in 2010. Fulham won that evening by two goals to one, but did Fulham win, draw or lose their next match? Lose. Draw. It was a win. Oh, oh no. no. Fulham beat West Ham at 3-2. I seem to remember oh, Akaka, Akaka scored, yeah. getting a couple of goals. Yeah. So no points for you there. Still 3-1 to Farrell. Now, this is the one last season, so if you should be getting any of them, it yeah. probably should be this one because this is the most recent by far. So it was a 3-1 victory at Loftus Road last year. Uh, a lovely afternoon uh, in the sunshine back in February, I believe that was, uh, in 2016. But did Fulham win, lose or draw the next match? Lost. Lost. <laughs> Easy one, that one. Yep, one point each. Now, what was the game? Wolves. Yep, Wolves. I can't remember the score. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was 3-1. I've got 3-0. You're both wrong. Was oh, it 4-0? Four four no, you've got the wrong team. Oh. It was Blackburn, 3-0. Oh. You're thinking the game after the home one where we lost to oh. Wolves, 3-0, but it was actually the match in February. We went up to Ewood Park in high spirits and got smashed 3-0. Danny Graham scored, I seem to recall. <laughs> well, we got Every a point time. anyway. So is that 4-2 now? Yeah. 4-2. Yeah. And then finally... When Fulham beat Bologna by three goals to two, a famous night at Loftus Road. Yunichi Inamoto won us our first ever European silverware, our only ever European silverware. In fact, our only ever silverware. But That's what not was. True. We won Division One once. Yeah. Yeah. I think we won the Intercities Fairs Cup as well. Yeah, exactly. In oh, like wow. 1923. Can we stop, <laughs> stop name dropping? There might be Brentford fans listening. <laughs> what was the result afterwards? Lost. I think it's a draw. Jack's right. Oh, <laughs> damn it. 
Now, if you can pull this out the bag, you've got yourselves a late equaliser. If you can name... A Lucas Joao. Um, you can name the club and the score. I'm waving frantically to put him off. What did he lost? Did I just say lost? Yeah, um, it doesn't even know. <laughs> I swear to God, if you get this correct, I'm rage. Please. I'm rage quitting. Two nil to Charlton Athletic. <sighs> no, it was one nil away to West Bromwich Albion. Oh, oh well. Darren what? Moore scored for West Brom early was in the he second the half. Of Luke Moore. Probably old enough. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, Bobby Moore. Uh, Farrell. <laughs> A 4-3 victory for yourself in the hey. Fulhamish of Fulhamish results quiz. Very yeah. well done to you. Thank you very much. Uh, here is a metaphorical trophy. I'm passing it over to Thank you. Thank you very much. More silverware More than silverware Brentford. For the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're running a little bit out of time, Jack, but have we got a couple of questions to end the podcast? Yeah, a couple. Um, Alex Bomer. Off, oh, all right, off, Bomer. How are you doing, Bomer? Hey. Off contributor to the website. Um he says, is it beneficial to keep rotating the fullbacks or does it upset our de- defensive cohesion? No, I think all our full fullbacks are good enough and we've we've won with them in our team. Shout out to Scott Malone, who found himself in the EFL Championship team of the season. Absolute nonsense. I think no one's more surprised than Scott Malone himself. <laughs> but, fair, but fair play to him. I mean, he hasn't had a bad season. We've done all right with him in the team. I yeah. think it might have been Harry Fremantle who said he wasn't even our best left back this season, let alone in the championship on Twitter earlier today. I think the, the problem with your question, Bomer, is we don't have any defensive cohesion at the best of times. And that if we, the, the reason we win games so dominantly is because we don't let teams attack our back four. And whenever teams attack our back four, we seem to struggle. So, I think that we should try not to rotate. I think the last few weeks have been fairly extreme where we have really run out of gas and it's been necessary to do it. But I think now we've got a two-week gap. Uh, There aren't many midweeks left at all, really. There's a not very nice period over Easter where we play twice in, in three days. I think we play on the Friday on the end of Monday. But apart from that, there's not too many midweek games left. I think now that we need to find a consistent 11 as much as we can obviously I know that Slav likes to tinker and change his tactics but I'd actually say am I agreeing with Alex here or disagreeing but all he, I'm he saying just, is I think asked. we need he I think said. I personally think we need consistent fullbacks going into the rest of the season I think we need a consistent team because if we're challenging the playoffs we need this uh, the 11 or maybe 12 13 regular players firing on all cylinders I'm all for consistency um, but you know don't sacrifice a little bit of squad rotation yeah. so everyone can you know get good game time and get used to it the way that everyone plays so nick blame Draymond, uh off contributor says why does slav refuse to start a striker when our most intelligent attacking mid is out injured which i thought was an interesting concept i think that personally had chris martin started the last two games I think we'd have more than one point to show for ourselves out of six. I think that Wolves game on Saturday, and I know it's easy to speak with hindsight, I think would have been perfect for him on Saturday. I think he's our best striker. I know uh, Dom, regular contributor on the podcast, fully agrees and can't see why our best striker isn't playing. I think it's the case. I think he's a very intelligent footballer, and I don't think Chris Martin really works coming off the bench he isn't an impact sub Mm -hmm. like he tried against Blackburn I think he's one of those players that grows into a game and provides a lot of options and I think we miss him a lot I like what Cabano does 
but certainly and, and and I think he makes his case that we are really missing Lucas Piazon and possibly more than I actually thought we would. I do agree. I do agree. I certainly agree on the Chris Martin front that he is our best striker. He's shown it for most of this season. Um I don't think it's a massive coincidence that when he started getting match fit that our form started to take an upward turn. Um why he's not starting him, I don't know, is my honest answer. But it's not like we're not playing Chris Martin and I'm playing Sean Kavanagh instead. We are playing some good footballers in his in his place. Yeah. So, Secretary Jack, end of the podcast. What is the title of today's show, please? Seventh Forever. <laughs> very very nice seventh forever is the title of today's podcast uh, please keep sharing it with anyone that you think will enjoy it uh, share it on facebook tweet about it even instagram it snapchat it whatever you like just speak, please keep spreading the word about fulhamish uh, myspace try myspace as well try it on bebo yeah anything <laughs> to share the word of the Grindr, podcast whatever you got that's fine. All right, Farrell. All right, Farrell. <laughs> Add me. At, no. You had to take it there, didn't you? You had to take it there. Mention, mention, oh. the, mention <laughs> the G word. That's on my grinder profile. Take it there. Take it there. <laughs> we will be back next week with the Fulhamish podcast. So, Farrell and Jack, uh, cheers for being on tonight's podcast, and we'll see you on Monday. Toodles. Thank you, Sammy. See you later. Bye.